You're listening to the Centre Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message, recorded live from our Brighton campus. So, if you've been at Burgess Hill campus, you may have noticed that we've begun a new series on 2 Peter, and we are going to catch up, um, hopefully tonight. Um, So, I've called it, and I don't know if this is the name of the series, or or if it's a good name or not, but I'm calling it Everything We Need. I think that's a good series name. We'll go with that for tonight. Everything we need. So we'll go with that for tonight. And then if, if all of a sudden it gets announced as a different series next week, we know that that's been decided that it's not the best series name. So there we go. Um, so yeah, everything we need. And we're looking at 2 Peter chapter 1 verses 3 to 11. So just to start us off, I'm going to going to read through that. You can... Follow along if you've um, if you've got it if you've got it open. Um, so two Peter chapter one verses three to eleven it says his divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these he has given us his very great and precious promises, so that through them. You may participate in the divine nature, having escaped to the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, and to self-control perseverance, and to perseverance godliness, and to godliness mutual affection, and to mutual affection love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past <laughs> sins. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election. For if you do these things, you will never stumble, and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. So... We're going to dive into this passage in a second, and um, we'll we'll be looking at the first um, the first one of these attributes, <coughs> which is goodness, and um, and yeah, that's going to be really good. But just to set the scene a little bit, um, I've got a video which is very loosely related, <laughs> very loosely related to this passage. I, I have this friend, and and he gave his cable guy fifty dollars. And then he got all the movie channels for free. Did you ever hear of anything like that? You mean illegal cable? Um. Yeah. Who told you that? What is his name? I wanted. Oh, forget it. You're offering me a bribe. What you have just done is illegal. And in this state, if convicted, you could be fined up to five thousand dollars. Or spend six months in a correctional facility all night. Oh, oh, please, no, that was dumb. I'm just, I'm just making conversation. Forget it. So 
there we go. Loosely related. Do you want to turn the screen to black, Tom? That'd be great. I'm not sure. I'm not sure we'll leave that image up. I, yeah, a bit distracting. Okay. It is a funny movie. Um, Jim Carrey is hilarious. So that's good. Um, just a bit of fun to start us off, really. But have you ever really got? Have you ever got something you weren't really entitled to? That's where I was going with this. The guy offers some money to get all the cable channels for free, and he's supposed to be paying a subscription every month. He's supposed to be doing all this stuff to get the channels, and he and he gets them all for free. So, have you ever got something that you weren't really entitled to? See, he wants all the benefits without doing any of the work, and. I think Grace is a little bit like that, which is quite cool. But we can show that video and it be kind of about Grace, so that's good. Um, now, granted, it's not just a matter of illegal cable, um, but Grace is actually getting what we don't deserve. It's getting what we're not supposed to have, what we don't really work for, um, and what we're not really entitled to as, as fallen, as broken people. But the beauty is that God gives it us for free because of who Jesus is. And that's really cool. So, why don't we dive into the text a little bit and look at, um, look at what we've been given. Look at what we've been given for free. So we're going to look at verses 3 to 5 this week. And I'll just read over them again in a second. Um... And the idea is basically to give us an overview um, and then talk about the first one of these attributes. So verses 3 to 5, let's have a look at them again. It says, His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these things he's given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption of the world caused by evil desires. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge. We're going to stop at goodness today, but that's, that's okay. So let's look at verse 3. If you've got it there in front of you, like it would be good to have it so you can sort of refer backwards and forwards. Um, and just just check that I'm not making things up, so that'll be good. Um, I want to take I want to look sort of backwards at this at this verse, this verse three, especially if we're okay with that. And I want to. Um, I think that's how the process actually happens. So you'll see that there's a process, like a flowchart of how of how this verse works. But I think it kind of works. It's, it's kind of like starts at the end and then goes back on itself a little bit. But you'll see that as we, as we go along. So it says that God calls us out by two things. He calls us out by his glory and his goodness. Or if we want to put that another way, he, he calls us out by who he is and what he's done. See, his glory speaks about who he is. He's a glorious God. He's mighty. He's wonderful. He's, he's all-powerful and majestic. He's high and lifted up he's all these things um, and these are ways of, of talking about the glory of God and and you know we are drawn to glory we're drawn um, 
to things that are glorious. Now, had the rugby gone a bit of a different way yesterday, I would have said we're drawn to England beating Wales. But unfortunately, I can't say that because it didn't happen, unfortunately. Um, we're drawn to the glory of, of our favourite team winning the Premier League. Now, I know in Brighton that's not something that you really know much about, but in Manchester, in Manchester it's something that we know a lot about. So, um, Although my team's Bolton, so I can't really talk. See, we're drawn to these things that are glorious, not so much... It's like something with great rewards or great honour. It's not so much... Um, that we get anything for that. If our sports team wins, we don't really win anything apart from like bragging rights. Um, it's something bigger that we, it's, it's like this sense of something that we can be involved in. And I think that we're drawn to things like that because God is a glorious God and we're drawn to his glory because he's the author of glory. And I think when we begin to understand that a little bit, we begin to, to build and to grow in the relationship with, with him that we were born to engage with. And the second attribute that, that we're drawn to is his goodness, what he's done. So his grace, his compassion, his, his mercy, and the ultimate sort of example of all that, of course, is his suffering in Jesus. We're drawn to, to the goodness of a God who took on flesh and, and made a way for us where, where there wasn't a way before and, and made a way for us to live in his kingdom as sons and daughters. You know, we, we're cleansed of the stains of, of sin, death, and we're, we're, we're brought into his everlasting kingdom as heirs. Now, that's a pretty awesome image, and I don't think I'd do it justice necessarily, but um, it's a very cool image. Of, of what goodness looks like and, and how we're drawn to it. So we're called out by God as a result of recognising his glory and his goodness, of, of recognising who he is and what he's done. And that's what he talks about when he talks about the knowledge of him. It's, it's, it's like a response in recognition of who he is and what he's done. We're sort of drawn to him. And then on the back of that, see, we've gone from like the back of the verse, on the back of that, if we flip round to the front of the verse, we go that on the back of recognising who he is and what he's done, his divine power has given us everything we need to live a godly life. See, we're not just accepted as who, for who we are, I mean, we are, and that's amazing, we are accepted for who we are, but we're not just accepted for who we are. We're equipped by his spirit to live in a new way. And that's really cool, that's really good news, because if we just accepted us as we are and then sort of left on our own, it's like, okay, I don't really know what, what I'm doing here. Like, how am I well, what am I supposed to do? Like, great news that grace is, is for me, and that's, that's amazing, but what am I supposed to do with that? How am I supposed to do anything with it well the good news is this this passage says that his divine power or his spirit has given us everything that we need to live a godly life so what does that look like it's not to say necessarily that that our material needs will 
we'll all be met and then we'll be, all be rich and all have a fancy car. I kind of think if everyone was rich, there would be no rich, would there? Because everyone would just be have the same amount. So I don't think it can mean that for that reason. And also, I'm not rich or have a fancy car. So it must mean something else. No, it definitely means something else. You see, it's to say that we've been given everything we need to change the way that we live in a positive way, to make positive choices, to make correct godly choices, the kind of choices that Jesus made. We've been given those, those tools and equipment and, and we need to kind of figure out how to use them and how to, how to work with them. Jesus said in John 10.10 10, that he's come to give us life and life to the full. And, and I kind of think, well, Jesus, did, he, did you set the example of what life to the full looked like? I kind of think that he probably did. And it doesn't necessarily look like what life to the full looks like when you're, you know, when you're a kid or when you're like a teenager or, or whatever. You sort of go, you see all this stuff happening, but actually it's all empty stuff that, that people are doing to try and gain this, this life to the full that Jesus talks about. Actually, we should just look to him and look to what he's done and we can figure out what that is. But he didn't just say that. He, he gave it us. We've been given it. We've been given life to the full. Uh, free of charge. We, we have life to the full right now. And, we, and how do we know that we've been given it? How, how do we know that that's actually something that we've been given? Well, this verse says that it's his divine power gives us everything that we need to live a godly life for life and godliness as another version puts it it's come to us by his spirit and it's the same spirit it says in Romans 8 it says it's the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead that's alive in us now that's a pretty powerful spirit it's a pretty powerful thing it's the spirit of God it's his divine power that raised Christ from the dead lives in us and has given us everything that we need free of charge it's given us all the tools and equipment and the best, I don't know, Mac Pro that we could do to design our, our latest video. Or maybe that's just for me, I don't know. Um, whatever it is, whatever analogy that needs to be for you, um, the best whatever pair of running shoes, um, sewing machine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Mine is rubbish. <laughs> Whatever the analogy that works for you, we've been given it free of charge by the Spirit of God, which is pretty cool. See, that same Spirit's alive, it's living, it's moving, it's, it's transforming us. It equips us and it gives us everything we need for life and godliness, not just on the day that we were saved, but today and tomorrow and the day after and the day after and and continually it's a it's a continual thing that we have it's we possess it now it's not just we were really excitable when we when we first became a christian now we're sort of like weighing off a little bit and we just let's just go along with our daily lives and not really worry about that stuff that's for new christians actually it's for us now and we're supposed to be living in it and we're supposed to be using these tools and that we've been given now not we're not given what we need one day and drop the next God keeps looking after us and keeps looking out for us. Yeah. See, we're called out, but we're called out into transformation by the Spirit. 
And let me just say as well that we're not meant to be trying hard. We're not meant to be, in a sense we are, but we're not meant to be trying hard to not sin. And, and if I can just get through today and not swear at that person that I always swear at under my breath or in my head or however that looks, or if I can just get through today and not shout at the person at the, at the checkout when they mess things up and charge me for something twice, or if I can just get through today and not shout at someone whilst I'm driving on the road, or whatever that looks like, you know, we're not, we're not to strive hard to not sin in the sense that we've been cleansed of sin and that's an eternal thing. It's not just a past thing. It's, it's yesterday, today, forever. We're not meant to try and live a godly life on our own. Because we've been, we fail, we fall, we can't do it. But we have been given the tools and equipment to do that. So we, we've been given, you know, just, just I sort of made a, a little list of a few of them to, to reel off like prayer, reading the word, um, worship, meeting together, sharing communion, baptism, um, telling others about, about who Jesus is. So you, you kind of have to back that up a little bit with the way that you live when you do that. Um, you know, speaking in tongues, praying sort of in, in, that, in that language that we, that we receive from God and, and prophecy and, you know, all these things are tools that we've been given that we need to be, we need to be exercising, we need to be using and cultivating in different ways. It's not about trying your best because as much as we can try our best, unfortunately, our best isn't good enough. Your best isn't good enough and my best isn't good enough. But it's because of who God is and what he's done that we're given the tools to live better. Because his best is good enough. That's the difference. His best is what he wants for your life and for mine. And his best is good enough, and it's out of that that we're given these everything that we need. See, the spirit produces fruit; it produces godliness in us, not because we're good or because we're trying, but because we're following. And it's about taking that step of following every every day. Just thinking, you know, today I'm gonna I'm gonna live for you, God. I'm gonna start this day right. I'm gonna you know, I'm going to give this problem over to you, I'm going to give this, I'm going to take this thought captive, you know, what, whatever that is for you, it's going to look completely different for everyone, and I recognise that, but this principle to live by. So, where are we so far? We've been called out because of who he is and what he's done. And by his spirit, we've been given everything we need to live a godly life. And the next bit we move into in verse four, I think, is the word thus. And Julian shared something this, um, something similar last week when he said, what is the, there, what is the therefore, therefore? Which is something my dad always used to say, and I never used to understand what he was on about. But, uh, but it's very similar with the thus, but less confusing. Um, when there's a thus in the sentence, even though we may not use it very often in our English nowadays, 
it's on the back of all that that we just heard, this principle applies. Every time you see a thus, there's always a context that we have to sort of <laughs> grapple with before we can get to the point where there's a thus. So we've got the word thus, and thus we've been given these great and precious promises, it says. See, promises, promises are a little bit of a tricky one, because promises are inherently like a tension. There's always a now and not yet with them. And I'll use two examples, one of which um, I don't really understand, which you'll understand why I don't understand it when I give it. So first one is marriage, which is the one that I don't really understand. <laughs> but I know the principle of the promise, so that's okay. So you take the marriage vow, right? I'm, I'm led to believe this is what happens. You stand with your spouse, sort of like, or spouse-to-be facing you, and you say marriage vows to them and whatever. Um, and you make these promises to, to love, to honour, protect, um, care for, um, help them when they're being sick. Is that one of them? <laughs> Sickness and in health, that's the one. Um, to death you part, there you go. You've done this before, haven't you? <laughs> um, so you make all these promises, but... The thing with the promise is it's both true and not true at the same time because it's true when you say it but the moment that you break it it becomes not true but does that make it not true before you you said before you broke it or was it true up until the point you broke it or was it always not true it's a tension isn't it it's a really difficult one to live with because it's like sometimes you're like there's this promise so like the other example that I have is like if I say to Johnny, right, you need to get fit, so I'm going to buy you a, Chris- a bike for you for Christmas. Now that promise is true as soon as I say it, except when I don't buy him a bike for Christmas. Sorry, Johnny. <laughs> then it becomes a not true promise, or it becomes like a broken promise. But was like my intention in that was that like a, a true promise at the time? Well, probably if I meant it to be true and then for whatever reason it didn't happen then it becomes a broken promise so this this tension of like yeah it's now and it's it's not yet um it's a tension that that we struggle with and a tension that that we live in but what we can say and we can say with certainty is that the promises of god are true and we know that because we experience some of his promises in our own life. So we experience the promise of salvation. We experience the promise of the Spirit. And that's important in the context of this passage. Because it's on the back of the Spirit equipping us that we get these great and precious promises. So we can see the correlation that we know these promises are true because of this. That's why the thus is important. We, we see the promise of his Spirit. We see the promise of his love, of his grace, of his mercy. Um, we see the promise, bunch, whole bunch of promises that are in the Old Testament about rescuing his people that, that came to pass in the person of Jesus. We see that this, this sort of God's someone who, who keeps his promises. And then the tension comes in that there might be some promises that, that we've had from God that, that are not fulfilled yet. But you judge those promises off the basis of the character of the person. 
So if we go back to the buying Johnny a bike for Christmas example, if I'm someone who promises something to everyone in the room every Christmas, and like we're 10 Christmases down the line, and that's the point when I say to Johnny, I'll get him a bike for Christmas. And every other Christmas for 10 years, I've got someone something that I've said I was going to get them. Then he's going to think that I'm probably telling the truth when I'm making this promise to him because of the sort of the history of promises that I've come that I've kept. Does that make sense? Yeah. So I'm keeping a history of promises. We've got a God who's got thousands of years of history written down for us of promises that he said he was going to make that he, that he's made between himself and his people that have come to pass and that have been kept and are being kept still and we can only conclude that they will be kept in the future that doesn't mean that the tension goes away because we might still be living in a place where we see where we think <coughs> I'm not seeing this promise I'm not seeing this I don't know restored relationship or this healing or or whatever it might be I'm not seeing this this is not this is not computing in my brain but actually we serve a god who's true and has kept his promises throughout history so we have no logical reason to think that he's not going to keep them in the future we just have to realize sometimes that there's a tension of like now and not yet that that's that's in all of that and it's difficult but we kind of have to deal with it and that's good sometimes See, Peter uses this word thus, and he, and he uses it because we can be sure that God's trustworthy and keeps his promises because of who he is and what he's done. And that's why the thus is important in tying all this together, I think. Not only that, in verse 4, we, we're called to participate and to join in with his divine nature, to join in with godliness, to join in with the work of the Spirit, to step in to step in line with who he is and what he's done and to live the life that we've been called to live. I'm taking a lot of little walks to get drinks, but it's for the benefit of the podcast. I'll have to cut this bit out now. (coughs) Never mind. Anyway, all this is great, but then Peter adds the difficult part it would be great to just stop there and go right we're done amazing let's all go away and next week we'll come back and discuss something else but actually Peter adds a difficult part and this is like the life application bit he says for this very reason so everything that we've just gone over everything that comes before for this reason we need to make every effort we need to do something we need, to, we need to stop going, this is amazing, this is great. And we actually need to accept that it's amazing, accept that it's great, accept that we've been given everything, and then we have to make every effort. We all up for that? Yeah. Yeah, make every effort, amazing. In other words, because of who God is, because of what he's done, because of how he's equipped you, and because of what he's promised, we need to respond. There's a response that needs to take place. We need to do something. We, meet, we, we don't make just some effort. We don't go, well, once a week on a Sunday afternoon, I'll invite someone round and that will be me making every effort to, to bring goodness in my life. 
and then that's good. That's amazing. But no, we're, we're to make every effort to do something about it. What he's saying is, come as you are. You're accepted and loved as you are. But you're not meant to leave the same way. Because you've been equipped. Because you've been given all this stuff. And now those couple of verses are like, God accepts you and he loves you just as you are. And that's amazing. But he also wants you to do something with, with what you've been given. Because it, he chooses to use broken people. He chooses to use um, you and me to bring about his kingdom which I think is an amazing thing and he doesn't have to do it that way but that's the way he chooses and that's the way he's planned and so when he calls you to do something it's like make every effort to do it we're called out to do something we're not making this effort to earn salvation or anything like that we're making the effort because it's the appropriate response on the back of who he is and on what he's done and that's the point that I think Peter wants to make that that this is the appropriate response for followers of Christ is to do something positive. We're to make every effort to, to add these, these bunch of things to our faith and I think that's what we're going to go over over the next few weeks is what these things are and how it looks. Um, and just briefly, at, at the end, I just want to look at, at this first one, which is goodness. You know, what does good, goodness look like? What is goodness? And... We looked before about it being an attribute, attribute of God, about what he's done for us. But how can, how can we like model our behaviour on, on that? Because it can be a little bit difficult to go, well, of course God's good, but like, how, how am I supposed to be? It's like, you know, I'm not God. Well, for me, I think the key is we need to recognise that Jesus just didn't, didn't come just to die. He didn't come so that he could live a quiet life on a farm somewhere. I don't know why on a farm. Make farms are quiet lives, I think. Or where else could you live that's a quiet place? I don't know. Farm. Let's go with a farm. So he didn't come to live a quiet life on a farm and then, and then just die. You know, it wasn't about that. He came to live and to show us how to live and to exemplify what it looked like to live. That's why we have these big chunks in our, in our Gospels that are not about Jesus' birth and not about his death. This big chunk in the middle of, of his ministry and what he did because that shows us how to live. You know, sometimes, sometimes we're supposed to look at the, the red bits and the bits in between them in the, in the Gospels and go, actually, this is what Jesus said. And this is what he did. Maybe I should do that. You know, it can be that simple. It could be, well, Jesus said this and he did this and he, he was nice to these people. Maybe I should be nice to those people. Like, it's, it can be as simple as that. You know, that's adding to our life's goodness. Adding to our faith goodness. He modelled the life that cares for the poor, the widow, the oppressed. You know, all these groups of people and we can apply that to whatever group of people that, that are in those categories now, you know, it's not, it's not hard to, to make those leaps. You know, he, the people who no one else cared about are the people that Jesus cared about. But even more simply than that, like, even if we look at Jesus' life in Luke's Gospel, you see he's always, he's always either, like, going to, coming from, or he's at a meal. Like, he's around food all the time. We gather around food 
quite often. That's quite like an expression of how we do church here in Brighton, and it's cool. But Jesus understood that, that goodness looks like life done in community. It looks like life done with other people and not just on our own in our private little spaces, but it gets messy when you invite other people in, you know? And he understood that, and he went around doing good because of who he was and because of the power of the Spirit. I think it can be a little bit hard sometimes to to define, like, practically how these things look. How's it going to look... Um, because we're all like in different stages of life and you know I can't necessarily talk into people's stages of life who are just in completely different places to me but what I can do is I can tell you the principles and we can look at that and we can go well this is probably how it would look for me and you know goodness looks a bit different to everyone else um, it looks a bit different for everyone than other people this makes does that make sense? You're understanding? I'm trying to get the sentence out, but it's not really formulating in my brain, which is a little bit um, tired at the moment, unfortunately. Um, but, you know, for Julian, goodness is going to look different than for me because of his character, because of who he is. You know, he might not struggle with some of the things that I struggle with. And so me being... Um, me being slightly nicer to someone than I would normally be might be way below the level of niceness that Julian has like by default. But, <laughs> but that's me adding goodness to, to my faith. And, you know, over time, you know, I'm, what I'm doing is I'm exercising these tools that I've been given. I'm exercising, I'm making every effort to, to add this to my faith. Not saying that I'm going to, all of, all of a sudden, I'm going to be... I want to say goodest. I know that's not a word, but best person. But that sounds a bit strange when we talk about goodness. All of a sudden, I'm not the most good person because I add a little bit of goodness to my life. And comparison, we, we even mentioned this slightly earlier on tonight when we were chatting. Comparison is like a really um, odd thing to do because it's like you can only compare against yourself and where you're at. And what you've got to be doing is adding the next little bit of goodness to where you're at. And that might be totally different levels from different people because we all struggle with different stuff and our lives look completely different to each other. Um, but the key is, is adding that little bit of goodness, making every effort to add that to, to who we are. And it's on the back of who he is that, that we are able to do it. You know, I think I've got one or two more things, but I don't need to share them. It's fine. We're gonna we're gonna finish up, I think now. And um, I don't know if <coughs> I don't know if it's maybe best to uh, to do a song or yeah. yeah. I think we'll do we'll maybe do a song and we'll just sort of worship together a little bit and and that'll be great. You know, let's let's make every effort. You know, we, we know that we're not alone. We know that we're doing this with each other and we can be supportive to each other and we can build each other up and that's part of what, we, what we're here for tonight, which is great. We've been given everything we need, but we're called on the back of who he is, on the back of his goodness and his glory, who he is and what he's done. We're called to make every effort. 
make every effort to add goodness to our faith. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast at Centre Church. One church, passionately loving God and people in Burgess Hill and Brighton. To get the latest news or for any other information, check out our website at www.centrechurch.uk.